We're reading tonight from God's Word in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2. The Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, and reading together from the latter part of this portion of God's Word. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and did all things common and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Amen. And we know that God will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. I want to take the theme of continuing tonight. You'll notice this word occurs in the passage, the word continued or the word continuing. And so I want to take that as the theme of our Bible study tonight. Perhaps you can look back to that moment when you were saved, and of course there was that excitement uh, the moment you came to Christ, and at that time you had the joy of first love and that enthusiasm for the Lord Jesus Christ, to live for him and to witness for Christ and to bear testimony for the Lord Jesus. You had that sense of endeavor, reaching out uh, to others with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how we discover in the New Testament church that there was this uh, consistency as far as God's people uh, were concerned. There was this commitment to the cause. The emphasis here is that they continued. You look at verse 42. They continued in the apostles, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 46, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They continued. Dr. Paisley used to say uh, about lemonade Christians that uh, there was a lot of fizz. And then, of course, it all went flat. If you shake the lemonade bottle, then it fizzes up. Remember not to take the top of it because... That will make a real mess, but then, of course, you let it sit for a while. It just goes flat. And how often in our Christian lives we're like that? We have this fizz up, and then we seem to go flat. How important it is that we continue. And that's what the disciples did here. That's what the early church did. They continuing. And so I want to think about that tonight. First of all, they continued feeding upon the Word of God. The Bible tells us here in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. 
Some people get worried about uh, that term doctrine. Well, it simply refers to teaching, the teaching of the Word of God, the doctrine of Christ, and all that relates to Christ in the Word of God, the apostles' doctrine, the doctrine of the gospel, the truth of God's Word. And these people were diligent and they were constant in their attendance upon the preaching of the Word. If we neglect the preaching of the Word, then we will starve spiritually. But those who attend upon the preaching of the Word will grow in grace. They will feed upon the Word. And therefore, they will grow up in the Lord. The Bible teaches us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, they may grow thereby. And of course, we use the analogy of a little baby born into this world, the first thing it, it will partake of is the milk. And that's the first stage of its development. And of course, we must desire the sincere milk of the Word. And then we move on to the strong meat, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, the fifth chapter of Hebrews, and the verse 14. Listen to the words here. But strong meat belongeth to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. The strong meat of the Word. Again, using the analogy of the little child, it will develop from milk onto solid food. If that doesn't happen, the parent will be concerned that there is not this movement forward, this development of the child. And so, as we continue in the Word, we will develop an appetite for more and more of the Word of God, the strong meat of the Word of God. There will be that development in our Christian lives. There will be that progress, that going on with God. We continue to feed upon the Word day by day. We continue to be nourished in the Word. The Bible speaks there in 1 Timothy 4 and 6, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. We become grounded in the Word of God. And the Word of God is food and nourishment to the life of grace. The Lord will give us that spiritual eye to look at the Word and to discern the truth of God's Word in giving us that spiritual appetite for the Word of God and that spiritual taste for spiritual truth. We will desire the honey out of the rock, the sweetness of the Word. We will desire to be satisfied with the Word, with the finest of the wheat that is found in the precious Word of God. Building up yourselves, said Jude, in your most holy faith, Jude 20. How important it is that we do this. 
How important it is that we feed upon the Word of God. Are you feeding upon God's Word daily? Not just now and then, but on a daily basis. That ere you go out in the morning, you take time to feed on God's Word. Through the day, when there are opportunities, you take time to feed upon the Word of God. I do quite a bit of work in, in the prison now. Not that I've done anything wrong, as far as I know, but um, it's uh, just chaplaincy work under our church, of course. And I'll be there tomorrow, God willing. And one of the chaplains said to me, do you know such and such? And naming this man's name, and I said, yes, I do. He said, I just met him there in the prison. He works for some of the contractors that come in and do work within the prison. He says, there he was, reading his Bible on his break, obviously. He wasn't slacking from his work, but he was on his break, and he was reading his Bible. He's actually one of our licentiates in our presbytery. He hasn't got a church as yet, but he's, he has a day job, and he's working there. And I thought, what a good testimony that was. That that man, that young man, was there feeding upon the Word of God. And how vital it is that we do that, that we have this development and strengthening by the constant feeding on the Word of God. But then the second thing I want you to notice here is they continued in fellowship. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, verse 42 tells us. We cannot live as Christians in isolation. Of course, we, we believe in separation unto the Lord from that which is false doctrine and all that is of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. Of course, we live in the world. We don't live in isolation either in that sense. But as far as our Christian fellowship is concerned, we don't live in isolation. I remember years ago when I was uh, much younger than I am now, uh, just a young fellow going to the martyrs, and it was this fellow we knew uh, very well, and of course he was at the meetings with us, and he suddenly went missing, and of course it wasn't mobile phones in those days, or, but anyway we tracked him down, and he said, uh, we said to him, I haven't seen you out at the meetings, you know, usually at the prayer meeting, usually at the church services. Oh, he says, I just worship on my own now. I just worship on my own. I just stay at home and worship on my own. But you know, why there are people who have to do that because of ill health and circumstances, they cannot get out and they would love to be out. But if we're in health and strength and we're able to be out, we should be out at the house of God. And I thought about the analogy of the, I heard this one time about the coal, the you know, the coal fire, and you've got the, the, the coal really burning there, and, and it's red, and then it drops out onto the hearth. And there might be a bit of smoke after a while, and certainly I wouldn't advise you to try to lift it with your hands, but after a while it just goes cold. Why? Because it's isolated from the fire. It's isolated from the fire. And when you 
as a Christian, get out of the fellowship of God's people and get into this isolated situation where you're not among God's people and not in the fellowship of God's people, you will grow cold. We need the fellowship of those of like precious faith. The Bible tells us here in verse 44, and all that believed were together and at all things common. They were together. They met together. They worshiped together. They sang the praises of the Lord together. They prayed together. It's a vital part of the Christian life. First Corinthians 12, and I commend it to you about the body. It talks about the various parts of the body. Every part of the body has a function. And you can't say, the hand, I've no need of you, or the foot, I've no need of you. If, if you were in some way injured, or as some people are even, and would find that uh, they would have a, a difficulty. But you know, how important it is that we realize that all the body parts are so important. All the parts are so important. All the parts of the Christian church, you're a part of it. As a saved person, you're a part of that body. You have a function to perform in this church. And as far as the body of Christ in general is concerned, the communion of saints, having that mutual affection to each other and a great deal of mutual conversation with each other, Someone has said that as Christians, we need to be listening to each other. We need to be learning from each other. We need to be leaning upon each other. When one Christian is hurting, we're all hurting. We feel that hurt. And I'm sure you feel the hurt of our brother George tonight, his family, and their loss. When brother or sister rejoices, we all rejoice. Scripture teaches us this. We are to bear one another's burdens. Galatians 6 teaches us. And so fulfill the law of Christ. And the believers here, they took all occasions to meet together. It wasn't easy to meet together in those times. There were plenty of persecutions, plenty of pressures that were upon them. We don't have the same pressures in that way today as yet. Maybe coming. We can freely come. But they made that effort to meet together. They loved each other. They sympathized with each other. They heartily espoused one another's interests. How we need to continue in the fellowship of God's people. Never neglect that. Because the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 10, 25, that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. I've been conversing with someone 
doesn't go to our denomination, but um, is within my own family unit, and trying to persuade that person that really, you know, you need to get out to the house of God again. And of course, people do have fears and all of that. We understand that. But they can go and sit in a restaurant, sit across the table, and have a conversation with people there for maybe an hour or longer, yet not coming out to the house of God. How vital it is to get into the fellowship. Internet's good and helpful and very important for those who cannot get out. But it's not the be and end all as far as worship is concerned, fellowship is concerned. The third thing here is they continued in the breaking of bread. They frequently joined in the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. In the breaking of bread, it mentions that here. And of course, it's very, very important ordinance as is baptism. We ought not to neglect these ordinances. And in coming to the Lord's Supper, we celebrate the memorial of the Lord's death. And the Christian is to continue to remember the Lord's death until he come, the Bible says. And remember this, dear friends, that that feast was instituted by the Lord himself. In the 26th chapter of Matthew, you have the relevant verses there from 17 to 30. We're not going to refer to them all, but coming into the passage there, you will see how the Lord Jesus Christ, he instituted that supper. As they were eating, verse 26 of chapter 26 of Matthew, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And so the Lord instituted his supper. We don't when we meet at the Lord's table, reenact the crucifixion of Christ. We don't re-crucify the Lord. We come with the emblems, the bread reminding us of the broken body of Christ and the wine reminding us of his shed blood. We remember his death. And when you go to 1 Corinthians 11 from verse 23 and a passage that most of you, if not all of you, are very familiar with. You discover how that Paul there in writing, he talks about this do in remembrance of me. And that emphasis upon remembrance is right through those verses. And we are to do it often. That doesn't necessarily mean every week. and uh, Every church has their way of, of doing it, some monthly and others uh, periodically through the year. But it is done. We remember the Lord's death and we're not to neglect it. And we are to do it until he comes again. 
And what it means to the growth and grace of the believer is attendance at and participation in the Lord's Supper. Let us never neglect it. They continued in the breaking of bread. Folks, let us continue to do that. I ministered in a church not far from here, as you know, for for many years. And it grieved me many times when I saw the size, and it was a good-sized congregation, and the number of people, believing people, who never in my 18 years of ministry sat at the Lord's table. They walked out. Good number did stay, but more than half the congregation didn't. How vital it is. We don't neglect the Lord's Supper. And then they continued in prayer. That's the final thing. In fact, it says here in prayers, if you look at the verse, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, plural, Of course, the Bible speaks of of prayer uh, like supplication. That's a part of prayer. Intercession, that's a part of prayer. Intricatory prayers. There's, There's all different types of prayers that are mentioned in the Bible. There are short prayers. In fact, many of the biblical prayers are short. Even the Lord's prayers Many occasions were short, they were brief. I've been reading recently in, through Kings, and of course Solomon's prayer, the dedication of the temple, was a long prayer. There are long prayers. Of course, there are the public prayers, the pi- private prayers, the prayers in the secret place. The Lord talks there in, in the Sermon on the Mount about praying in secret drawing aside in the secret place and how vital it is that we have that secret place with the Lord, that we meet with the Lord in in the quiet time. You have that thread of prayer woven throughout the history of the church of Jesus Christ in the Acts of the Apostles. Many other parts of Scripture as well. You have the prayers of Paul, the great apostle. It's an interesting study in itself. And it's manifested through the epistles. Notice the many prayers that are mentioned and the many references to prayer in this one book of the Acts alone. I think the Acts of the Apostles is such an exciting book because it deals with the history of the church and and the missionary journeys of the apostle and all of that. There's such... uh, blessing that we receive from this book, and of course from all of Scripture. But I enjoy the Acts of the Apostles. In fact, recently uh, where I now worship when I do get there, um, Reverend Nelson has been going through the Acts of the Apostles, just finished it in recent weeks, and I've been thrilled when I was able to uh, be there and then on other occasions just listen online. Later on, I could pick up the message and listen to it and follow it up. I've been blessed by 
thinking about the Acts of the Apostles. But think about their constancy in prayer, their consistency in seeking the Lord's face. Look at Acts 1, verse 14. These all continued, there you have the word again, continued in, with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman, Mary the mother of Jesus with his brethren. And of course, you have the 120 here in the upper room. The woman too. They were praying as well. Some people will say, the woman shouldn't pray. The Bible doesn't say that. The women were there. The prayer meeting. They were engaged in prayer as well. Of course, in Acts chapter 2, we have it again. They were there on the day of Pentecost, all with one accord in one place. The Spirit of God was poured out. Acts chapter 4, you have the persecution now. You read the context there, and we'll not take time to go into that tonight, but you go down to verse 24. The previous verses will reveal the context of those who were opposing them and threatening them not to speak in the name of Christ. What did they do when they heard that? That's the church, the believing people of God. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They prayed. They prayed. They sought the Lord. Acts 6, 4. What did the apostles say? We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Prayer. Acts 12. And the persecution had intensified by this stage. And of course, uh, Peter uh, was in prison and James had already been slain by the sword. Where were they? They were in a lady's house, praying. Because of the persecution, they couldn't meet in a, an open way, but they were meeting for prayer. Many of God's people today across the world have to meet in, in that way because of persecution. But they're meeting for prayer. Acts 16, again, there was persecution. Paul and Silas were thrown into prison. What did they do? Did they moan and complain about how badly they were treated? No. They prayed and sang praises unto the Lord. Paul and Silas prayed. The Bible tells us that. Acts 16. And these are just some examples of the continual praying of the church. I grew up in a time when the powerful prayer meetings. I can remember prayer meetings in the old church in Raven Hill, and you got up off your uh, seat to, to engage in prayer, and there was about three or four other people got up in front of you. It's very difficult to get into prayer. But there was a woman who was a great example to me as a young Christian, and to many of us who sat on the row there in the midweek prayer meeting in Martyrs. Her name was Mrs. McKinstry. I always remember her name. And when she stood up to pray, it was like a hush. And she always stood up when I used to open my eyes to see her just, she'd put her hand on her face like that. And boy, could she pray. And you know, things happened. People were saved. Scores of people were saved. 
every Sunday night during the week as well. God was moving. She was an example of a praying woman. Many, many others whom I knew, godly elders, who, who were men of prayer. I remember when we lived in the Ravenhill Road, not far from the martyrs, there was a man who used to visit my father. I was just a young lad. I wasn't saved at the time. He used to come and he used to pray with my father. And I used to listen at the door, eavesdrop at the door. And he used to say to my father, called my father Walter, he said, Walter, we need to pray. We need to keep at it. And then this man would pray. And boy, could he pray. And then my father would pray. You know, it made an impression on my life. Man of prayer. Father was a man of prayer because I can remember lying in bed as a young lad and hearing him pray for me. Pray for my sisters. Pray for my brother. My brother was saved at that time, but pray that God would save the family. And you know, engaging in prayer, whether it's in the secret place or whether it's in the public prayer meeting, are a great means of strengthening our faith, causing us to grow up in the Lord. And not everybody can pray publicly in an audible fashion. But we're still praying like Hannah. Her voice wasn't heard, but she poured out her soul to the But there are people who can pray publicly, gifted in that way. Never be put, out, put off because you can't pray publicly, because you're still praying. As others pray, you're praying inaudibly in your heart to the Lord. But may the Lord help us to continue. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts tonight. Perhaps we could have another hymn just before we get down to prayer. 461. 461. We'll stand just as we sing, and then we'll get down to prayer tonight. 461. I'm not skilled to understand what God hath willed, what God hath planned. I only know at his right hand stands one who is my Savior. Page 362, number 461.
seek the Lord in prayer, we encourage you to pray for the work and for God's servant that he'll know the healing touch of God and for his family and their bereavement, an actual family uh, at this time that the Lord will give grace and comfort for others uh, needing the touch of God and those we've been calling with some folk who are laid aside and uh, pray that the Lord will remember the Huttons there just to lift them tonight just before we came to the prayer meeting do remember them and pray that the Lord's hand will be upon them and many others who cannot get out as they formerly did. Perhaps our brother Sandy would lead us and then just as the Lord leads, let's pray.